you. Thank you. I'll just thank everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Leviticus chapter 19. Why don't you find that in your Bibles? Uh, we do have the Lord's Supper tonight, so uh, you know that that will be coming uh, after the message. And uh, I guess uh, this is not really a message about uh, the cross or the crucifixion uh, or about, uh, you know, the particular event that the Lord's Supper calls us to commemorate and remember. Uh, but this is a message about the character of God. And uh, I think maybe just looking at uh, some of these things uh, tonight, just a few, sometimes it just helps us to realign uh, where we should be uh, with him. And uh, it's important, you always need to remember that though much of your faith uh, is uh, lived out in interacting with other believers, uh, your faith is still a very personal one between you and God. And uh, really the kind of Christian you are is the kind of person you are between you and God. And uh, so uh, sometimes it's just helpful because, you know, if I happen to be around a lot of people who had a very loose perspective about what a Christian should be, uh, likely some of that would rub off on me and likely that uh, maybe even unknowingly I might suddenly be thinking a certain way because everybody else is like that around me. And uh, we've got to be careful that uh, we keep in alignment with how the Lord is. And so I'm going to read some verses in a moment from uh, Leviticus chapter 19. Just before I do, I want to say thank you to Pastor Hernan uh, for uh, his support, uh, really, uh, since he's first been here. Um, of course, we've known each other a number of years, but I just appreciate his support for the work uh, in Thailand, the ministry there, um, and also others here. It was such a joy to have uh, some of our dear friends uh, come and uh, visit over the last... Uh, couple of years. It was such a blessing to me. I don't, you, you may not have realized just what a blessing that was to me to have you there. It just, it felt sort of surreal and very blessed. Out and, and, and I honestly, I was very touched by that people made the trip and uh, came over and it was very, it sort of affirmed to me your care, your love, your commitment to the ministry and to my family. And I really appreciate that. Pastor Hernan has been very uh, diligent in coming to visit us over uh, numbers of years now and I, I just appreciate that. You know, we just enjoy the company. It can kind of get, I don't want to say lonely over there, uh, but sometimes just having the encouragement of, uh, of the brethren who speak English, <laughs> who, uh, who come to visit, just, it just helps. And I always know it helps because I sort of feel sad when they leave. I, something in me, I don't want to say I sink, it's not that, but, but something in me just sort of, you know, realises something just came to an end. So it was, just, it was just a joy. It was a blessing to have Pastor. Every time Pastor has preached in Thailand, he's been a blessing. He's uh, helped believers there and uh, strengthened us as well. So, so, so thanks for, you know, believing in the worth of that and allowing him to come. Uh, I want to say to the deacons, the new deacons, uh, welcome to your role and uh, I pray that you will uh, serve the Lord wisely, uh, that you will walk in humility and uh, will uh, do your best that, uh, for your tenure in that role as just as best you can to advance the cause of Christ and to support those doing the work of God. Uh, let it be said that when you leave that office, uh, that you were a help and a blessing and not a hindrance. Uh, and I can certainly say that in my view about the deacons who served before, I found them to be that way. And uh, I'm thankful for their, their legacy, their many years of uh, sacrifice. And uh, so, you know, onward uh, for all of us, we, uh, we plan to return uh, back to our field uh, this, uh, this coming week. So we've been here three Sundays the first Sunday I came in, we landed in Sydney. We, we 
uh, Thai now does not fly to Brisbane. So we landed in Sydney and uh, the brethren in Sydney said, well, sin as though you're here. And uh, so <clears throat> we landed on Australia Day. We got to a hotel about midnight. They, they had a hotel for us and uh, preached uh, in uh, Faith Baptist Church, Brother Mansour's church, on the, uh, on the, on the Sunday. That was a you know, nice time, a good meeting there. And uh, then uh, up here we were away for one week and then this, of course, is our, our last Sunday and then we'll get back to, to what we have. I was sitting in that pew over there, that, uh, that front one, and I'm, I'm guessing at some point the chairs are going to be changed, all right? So I'm bracing myself for the reality. I will come back here one day and all the seating's going to be changed. And, uh, and, and if I knew exactly what pew it was, I'd ask you to keep it for me. But, uh, but I do know it was the front pew over on that side, just in front of where pastor's sitting. Uh, I was sitting there and that's where God affirmed to me I was to go to Thailand. And so I was here yesterday um, because I'm, I, I, put, uh, I put value on the places and the times that God speaks to me or that I get to be around the Lord and so I'm, uh, I'm constantly staying, you know, whenever I'm back, I do slip in and, and I, I was here yesterday and I, I walked down over there and I remember exactly what God showed me as I was sitting there that kind of was the tipping point of, no, this is me and you should go. Uh, and uh, I won't lay it all out, but, but there was um, something I saw that at the time there was no resemblance to anything like that being in Thailand, but there now is uh, some uh, 17 years later. So that happened just over there. And of course, I have many other wonderful, wonderful memories of uh, being here when God moved. Um, you know, I, I have memories of working on this building uh, when we first came over here. In fact, I have memories. Our wedding reception was in this building. Suzanne and I, we were... We, were, we, were, uh, we had our wedding reception right here. And uh, so, so just a lot of memories. Uh, I walk around the property and look and, of course, change is, you know, as there's growth, there's change. And, and frankly, as there's time, there's often change. And I don't want to be an obstacle to any of that. But I certainly don't want to forget the times that God has moved in my life. And I hope you have some recollections like that too. I hope you haven't, you know, forgotten that there were times when God visited you and uh, you had something particularly unique happen or you were touched in a certain way. There's somebody sitting here tonight, you made decisions about some things uh, and uh, God is still able to do that. So anyway, that's the preliminaries. Uh, preaching time's almost over. And, uh, but just wanted to say those things because normally I don't get the chance to, to say that. And so just just want to mention that. All right. So Leviticus chapter 19, I'm going to read a few verses in a moment, but I want to, I want to position Leviticus for you in your mind. I want you to understand that the people of God had come out of Egypt and they, did, they were not well acquainted with God. Uh, they, they had, uh, I'm going to say they had a faith, they had a belief, and uh, they, were, uh, they were holding to that. Uh, based on the uh, patriarchs and those who'd gone before. But uh, they, they, their, their understanding of exactly what God was like was somewhat not yet developed or hadn't, they hadn't fully understood that. And uh, so when God called them out of Egypt, so, so think now you've got a, you've got a group of people, who've, you've got a lot of them who've come out and uh, they're now going to be like Israel, this unique people of God uh, from whom the Christ would come, and uh, it's special, and there are there are special people, and uh, God would say later on, "I did not choose you because you were a, you know, the most or the biggest. I didn't pick you because of that, um, but I set my love upon you." And so they've come out, and now Moses, who has uh, led them out but will not lead them in, uh, has been used of God to to pen. Uh, by the working of the Holy Spirit, uh, these uh, first five books here of the Bible, and uh, they're, uh, they're the beginning of God revealing himself to God's people. So, so God is going to show his character. He's going to show what kind of p 
person uh, he is. Uh, many, many years ago, in 1983, I was attending the Presbyterian Church at Bald Hills. And, uh, and I drove past there yesterday as well. And, uh, and I preached my first sermon there. And uh, I was young and single and not terribly uh, knowledgeable and, and a lot of rough edges. And, you know, there were some very staid Presbyterian brethren there. And I remember I, I got up and shaved that morning, you know, with the, remember the razors that opened up, you stuck the blade in there and then they closed down. And so I'd lathered up and, and I'd, I'd got up to shave and, and I don't know, you know, I uh, had hacked myself in about three or four places. And I did what you did then. I took a bit of wet tissue and, you know, stuck it on where I was bleeding, you know, kind of Norman Gunston style. And I had the wet tissue on there. And uh, you can imagine, and uh, got, up to, got up to preach, and, uh, and I thought I'd lighten up the moment, and I said, uh, you know, I'm preaching on the blood sacrifice, and I almost became one this morning, you know, and I laughed, but nobody, nobody else did, nobody else did, they just stared at me, but uh, I drove past there yesterday too, and uh, I remembered uh, a man uh, who I met there, uh, who would be one of the men in my wedding when I was married. And uh, he went on to marry a girl in America. And uh, he moved over to America, one of my best friends, and he died a couple of years ago. But his name was Graham. And I, I said to my wife yesterday, I said, you know, I remember in this car park where we were turning around when we drove in there yesterday, I said, I remember in this car park, I can remember this is where I first saw Graham. She knew Graham. And she said, oh, it was right here. I said, yep. I said, I can still remember he drove in in this old Citroen. Is that how you say that? And uh, it was a terrible car. And uh, he drove in and, you know, unusual to have sort of a European car like that. And uh, he drove in and, and he, got, he, he always said that car was a lemon, you know. And, he, and he, he got out of the car and I remember looking at him and it was the first time I saw him, but I didn't know him, you know, and I didn't know what kind of person he was. And I didn't know anything about really who he was. I just saw him. But we would go on to become, you know, good friends. And he was in my wedding. And we did a lot of evangelistic work, gave out thousands and thousands of chick tracks, uh, tens of thousands uh, all over the peninsula and, uh, and around here in a lot of places. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you have to spend some time with someone to understand you know, what are, what are, what, what are they like? What's, what, what person are they is what the ties would say. So God is going to reveal himself here. If you look in verse number, and I've just picked a few verses here for sake of time, uh, but I'd like to read verse uh, 5 uh, down. It says, And if you offer a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord, you shall offer it at your own will. So, so what I want you to hear I want you to visualize the people of God who are hearing this for the first time are going, okay, and, and they're starting to form an understanding of who this Jehovah is, who, who this one is that led them out. They, they know he's the God of their forefathers, but what, what is important to him? What, what, how does he look at things? And that's what's coming out here. And so, and you say, I didn't see it. I'll point it out in a moment. And verse number four talks about idols, and I won't go there. Verse number five, and if you offer a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord, ye shall offer it at your own will. We read that. It shall be eaten the same day ye offer it, and on the morrow, and if aught remain until the third day, it shall be burnt in the fire. And if it be eaten at all on the third day, it is abominable, uh, it shall not be accepted. And then verse number eight, God says it's actually an abomination, it would be an iniquity. All right, so, well, that was interesting, you say. Uh, well, so they're listening to this and uh, they've just been given clear instructions about what is to happen with the peace offering. Now, not just here, but, but in other places. But some things are brought out here. And here's what God says. God said, now, if you take a peace offering, you're going to go and present an offering. First of all, 
uh, you do it at your own will. Right? So instead of saying to you, you must pray five times a day facing the east at the sound of the, and you must do it this way, God said about this thing, well, if you're going to do it, you do it because you want to do it. Well, does that tell you right away? Mm. Well, that's interesting. So, so you're saying we can uh, decide that. Yes, you can. You decide if that's important to you. You decide if you want to do that. You decide if you see value in approaching me that way. You decide. And if you were to give a peace offering, uh, you would take uh, one of the flock and you would take it to the, uh, the door of the tabernacle and uh, you would put your hand upon it and uh, the priest would also and then uh, he would take that and that animal would be offered up and they would burn the fat and they would burn uh, some other parts and then what was left was somewhat divided between you and the priests. So you would have a portion of meat that you would take back to your house that you could eat. Okay, so that's how it works. So God said, if you do it, um, that's it. But, but here, there's a rule here. And the rule is, when you take the food back to your house, you, can, you eat it that day. And if you don't eat it that day, well, you can eat it the next day. But listen to me carefully. You can't eat it the third day. All right? After two days, anything that's left, you have to burn it up with fire. But if you eat it on the third day, that's an abomination and you'll bear the iniquity of that. What did, all right? Now you say, well, what, 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 what does that mean? Well, let me ask you. When they were hearing it, what do, you, what do you think they made of that? Okay, I'm going to tell you what they would have thought. I don't really know why he said that. I, I don't really understand. I'm not sure I understand why that's a big thing. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why it's okay to eat on the first day and the second day. And I don't know why if he said, on the, he said don't do it on the third day because it'll be an abomination. It'll be iniquity unto you. Okay, so, so here's, you say, can you explain that? I, I could have a go, or I could have a go. I perceive it has something to do with Christ raising uh, on the third, or after three days and three nights. I perceive it's tied to that. I perceive it's tied to the fact that we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. This is the peace offering, and uh, the peace that we obtain came through the cross and I perceive it has connections, and, and no doubt it does, particularly in God's mind, about, you know, what is what with that. But that's not the point. The point is tonight that what you learn about the character of God with this is that you ought to be obedient just because he told you to do it. And that's the first thing. So first thing you're going to learn about God is you, you don't get to say, well, I will be obedient if I analyse it and it makes sense to me and I can see the value in that. Yeah, I agree to that. No. No. No, you're expected to be obedient to what God said, whether it makes sense to you or not. Oh. Yes, you are. You see, I'll tell you why. The reason for that is this. He is God and you are not. That's it. And, and you need to say that to yourself. He is God and I am not. And if he says that I'm to do this thing, then I'm just to do it. And I may not understand. And by the way, there's going to be many things you won't understand. Some of them you may understand after, but some you may never understand. 
But the fact of it is, it, it obviously matters to God for, for some reason. But from our side, what these people were learning was this. Your understanding, your reasoning, your agreement is, is not re- required or it's not a, you know, something you have to decide that first before you obey. You're supposed to obey God. Hello. Let's realign ourselves with who is who. Let's realign ourselves with who we are and who he is. Let's remember that. Let's remember that that I'm of the dust of the earth and I will return to the dust of the earth. And and he promised that. That's who I am. I'm I'm like a worm before him. I, I am not one to challenge him. He is God and I am not. And if God says it's that way, it's that way. And that's the place you start from. You you, you don't need to sort of analyse it all. Here's what you do need to do. You need to be clear about what is he saying. Okay, that's valid. You just say, well, I just want to understand what he's saying. Well, of course. And you need to be clear that it's from God and, 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 and not maybe from me, but once you work out those first two things, I'm clear it's from the Lord. If it's in the Bible, it's from the Lord. And I'm clear about what it is. All right, that settles it. You submit yourself to God. And you say, yes, Lord. I don't know why. No one else seems to care too much about this. But you've said it. I'm not God. You are. I'm just going to be obedient in that. And, and you will find that, that, that God has sort of planned for us to instill that even in our children from an early age. You're supposed to teach your children obedience and you're supposed to teach your children obedience and, and some people do. And, and many times you will, you will teach your child to obey. You will say to your child, don't do that. Why do you say that? Because you know that, honey... If you pull the iron cord like that, you're going to pull the iron down on your head, you know, and I know you don't get that because you think it's fun to pull the cord when you're just this big, but don't do that. And you may even go so far as to go, you know, don't do that. Okay. Now, do you think the child understands? You, you, think, you think the child has ability to work out, oh, you're just protecting me from the iron falling on my head. The child doesn't understand that. The child doesn't understand lots of things. But you're supposed to teach them and teach them to be obedient because it's better for them and it's right. And by the way, when children learn to obey parents, they don't have a problem obeying God. Okay, But when children will not obey parents, children will not obey God. So you might think you're just being soft and gentle and kind, but you might be being damaging. Now, I've, I've, got, a, I've got grandchildren now, and I, when, my children, when my own children were disobedient, I don't know, somehow I just found the ability to deal with it, you know, as what was required. But I tell you now, with grandchildren, you know, I'm softer. Uh, and, and, you know, Curtis told me, gave little Joyce a little smack the other day. And, and worst, he was graphic. He said, uh, yeah, I went in and she was this. And I thought, no, she can understand. And he said, uh, and I was going, oh, I don't want to hear this. And he goes, no, no. He said, I, I went in and he said, I gave her a little smack on her bottom. And I said, oh, what would you do that for? <laughs> and uh, and he, said, he, said, he said, actually, Dad, it was awful. And I'm going, oh, don't tell me. <laughs> and uh, he said, uh, she just, she just stood at the cot and looked at me like, why did you do that? <laughs> she, it was her first time. What did you just do? And uh, I said, son, don't tell me anymore. You know, I said, you, I said, you don't need to smack her. Just, just give it to us and we'll, you know, I, I'm ter- you know, I know it's not good, but, but you get older. That's what happens. But, but I tell you what, he needs to do what he needs to do because... Because we love little baby Joyce, but when little baby Joyce is older and older and older, we want her to obey God as well. 
And, and, and so you're going to have some things where once it's clear to you, let me say, you just have to make a decision of your own will. Well, I, I'm, just, I'm just going to be obedient to that because God said it. And what I'm trying to say, there's a real truth here that the people of God will getting that when God tells you to do something, you may not know why, just do it. Just do it, all right? So the second thing about the character of God here is, uh, little, well, I mean, there's just lots of things here. This whole passage is very rich. Is in verse 9 and 10. That's not the second thing because there's a lot of things here, but it's the thing I've selected. Verse 9, And when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest, and thou shalt not glean thy vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and stranger. I am the Lord your God. Well, I, I imagine you, know, you hear this for the first time. What do you think? I mean, the first time. And you, you're a farmer and you grow grapes and you do other things. And, and, and God said... Uh, when you come to the harvest time, mm, don't take it all. No. No, you, you, you go around and do the harvest, but, but you leave. You, some of the corners there, you know, you just, you leave some of that. You don't, you don't take it all. And, and not only that, if, uh, if some of it falls to the ground, j- just let, leave that there too. And don't and when you come to pick all the grapes, just don't take all of them. All right, you you leave those you leave those there for the people who have nothing. All right, so so you know, worship, worship, worship our God, because that's just there it is. That's what He's like. Did you see it? That's what He's like. What do you mean? What's He like? I mean, He thinks of others. He has a heart for people who are in need. And he has a view that everything you have is not for you. Hello? I mean, do you, you have to learn him as he is. He, ha- he has a view that all you have is not 100% for you. And he says, he says you... You to you to to leave this. That's a revelation of the kind of God who He is, His character. What what the kind of I want to say. I keep saying what kind of person He is, but what kind of God is He? Only one, but but how He is. Or that's how He is. So what's the takeaway there? Well, the takeaway is this. He says everybody. So let's just say all of us here tonight. We're all farmers. We've all got grapes. We were just presuming. All right. The takeaway is every one of us is to leave, you know, the corners, the edges, the gleanings, right? We all agree with that. We heard it. We were there. The scriptures were read. It's clear. We all know we're supposed to do that, all right? But then, uh, but then the second thought is this. We might say this, well, well, hang on. How much have you got to leave, right? How much? Well, okay, here's the answer. It's not specified. Ah, so what does that tell you? It tells you this. You can choose to give more or not. That's the lesson. You choose. See, God said, I'm not, I, won't, I won't specify anything more than what I've said. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to say one meter out from the left corner. And the, I'm not going to say that. Okay, I've told you what is required. Now, now you, you decide how far you go. You decide. So imagine, you know, you're cutting your crop and you're doing it all and you come to the corners and, and you make a decision. What are we going to do? We're going to go in nice and tight? Are we going to fulfill the requirement to the line? You know, brother, did you, you're supposed to leave a bit. Oh, I did. Look close. There is a bit there. I left it there. 
okay, okay, okay. I, suppose, I suppose, I suppose, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, are you going to go right to the line? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? See, I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to do according to how your heart is with your God. That's what you're going to do. That's what you're going to do. And when I go for a walk down the road tonight and look over at all the farms that have been harvested, I'm going to know how you feel about God by just what I see. Yes? Hmm. Hmm. So God said, you decide. You decide your generosity. See, everybody's supposed to give. So everybody has to give. Everybody should tithe. Everybody should tithe. The tithe belongs to the Lord. It's God's. It's not yours. It's God's. Okay? So when, when you get whatever you get, you take out your tithe. Okay? You don't pay your insurance first. You don't pay the rent that's now two weeks behind. You don't catch up on the tax bill. You know, you don't go and grab the sale because you, don't, you, you give the Lord the tithe. And do you know why you give him first? Do you know why? Because he is first. Do you understand that? He's not, he's, hey, listen, the Commonwealth of Australia is not first and then he's second. He's first. By the way, they'll just take theirs ahead. But, but, but he's first. So the whole principle of the tithe is the first belongs to the Lord. Well, it does. It does. And, and, and you start with it. So we all do that. And we're all supposed to give. But how much you give, you will decide. You will decide this. I'm going to go through my Christian life working on minimal requirements and that's it. But then there are others who will say, Lord, if this pleases you, it pleases me to please you and, and, I'm, and I'm going to do this and I'm, and I'm going to do it for you. And I find that people, as you get closer to the Lord, they become more generous. They become more generous. So, so that's the second thing, is that God said, okay, I've told you what you need to do, but you decide how far you go with that. Look at Hebrews 11, and uh, <clears throat> let me just read to you a couple of verses here about Moses. You know, sometimes you should do what you don't have to do. Did you get that? You, should, you don't have to do it, but you should do it. Okay. Some, sometimes it's above what you have to do, but you should do it. You should do it, because that's what God does. Okay, verse 24 and 25, and you, familiar. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, uh, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing, okay, did you get that word? So, so choosing is he chose, so you do a lot of choosing too. You, you choose as well. People are choosing all the time. You're choosing what kind of walk you'll have with God. You're choosing whether you'll be obedient or not and how far you'll go. Okay, Moses chose something and uh, it says in verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. But notice the next part. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. All right? So it means this. Moses had a view that I would rather now choose to miss out on some things about now to get a future reward that I greatly respect and believe in. So I'm going to make a decision now that I'm actually going to focus on that rather than on this. And he chose, he, he had respect unto the recompense, the, the reward. There's reward. And, and when you understand that, that, that begins to, well, it should affect your living. Where, where you say, well, you know what, uh, I've got an eye on a future reward. And that's why I'm generous. 
Uh, and I'm sure you wouldn't save yourself, you're generous, but that's why we're giving. That's why we go further. That's why I sacrifice. That's why I do these things. Because, because I respect the fact there's a coming reward. And I believe that that's better than this. You say, do you believe that? I absolutely believe that. I absolutely believe that. Absolutely. And I, I have an eye on that daily. Uh, I believe in that. And, and, I, and I, I believe I practice things that show I believe in that. All right? But because he believed in that and he made a choice to do it, he didn't have to, by the way. He didn't have to. He chose to. He could have said, well, no, I, I could still say the daughter of Pharaoh's daughter and, you know, I can do stuff from in the palace. I might be able to have a bit of a political influence and help in some way, use my position, my education. I mean, he could have, could have done that. But something happened in that man. Some spiritual thing took place where he said, no, I choose no to that and I choose yes to this. And that's something you have to decide yourself. You have to decide yourself. There's a whole lot of people who have made unwise decisions about the things that they're living for and you're going to be sorry. You're going to be sorry. Okay, if, uh, assuming that most people here tonight are saved, well, you'll have heaven. But let me tell you, you'll wish it was more than that because there is a judgment seat of Christ and there are rewards and believe me, that will matter very much to you at that time. And a lot of the things that matter now will not matter. And so, so be wise, be wise. So you, you get to decide that. By the way, in verse number 6 of Hebrews 11, which again you know, and we often use it sort of a salvation context, but it's not really. But I guess you could use it for that, but it really was talking to believers and it said, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Part B, what's next? Believe what? You've got to believe what? And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He said, you have, you have to believe that. You have to, you have to believe he is there. And I really believe that, that he does reward those who diligently go after him. Now, do you believe that? It doesn't matter what anyone else believes. It just matters what you believe. Because what you believe will decide how you live and your life. I believe that. I believe he's, he's a rewarder. There's reward for those who diligently go after him. And, and that's, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to. And so God said... You know, you need to go back to, go back to Leviticus and 19, let's be done. Uh, God said, uh, you know, you have to leave your gleanings, but hey, you decide. You decide how far you go with this. It's very personal is what I'm trying to say. It's very, you, you decide. You decide. You decide if you're a minimalist, you know, in terms of obedience and you just do what you need to do, you know, whatever. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not going to. Another will do that and only he can do it because only he has all the information, not me. So I'm not going to do it, but I'll just lay it out to you. It all comes to a levelling point in the future. It's all, it's all going to be clear. And, and, I, and you, know, you decide, you decide what, kind of, what kind of Christian life you're going to have. See, because it's really, I love the church and I love being in the church and local church is so very important, but... But really, it isn't even about the other people in the church. It's just about you and the things that you decide and how you live and what you do. That's what it comes down to. And there's a lot of these things will be somewhat private even. But the, the Lord knows. The Lord knows. So you, you decide how generous you are or not. You, you decide that. All right. And the last one that I want to finish on and... and is verse 11 of uh, chapter 19. And it goes, it kind of connects with several other verses. But so now he says to the same people, and by the way, 
as long as we're saying this, verse 11, here it is, ye shall not steal. Hmm. Neither deal falsely, uh, neither lie one to another. All right? So now what God is saying is how you are with others in these things will show how you are with me. If we say this, if we use these words, well, it's just not right. You know, you shouldn't tell lies because it's just not right. Okay, well, it's just not right to what? You know, there be unsaved people who might say that. Well, I just, I just don't think it's ethical. Okay, so it's not right according to ethics. Mm. Or have, you know, well, I just don't think it's right. Well, why? Well, you know, in Buddhism we're taught that, okay, so according to Buddhism it's, you, you, you believe it's not, it's just not right. Or whatever, people have different views about that. See, some, some people believe it's okay to tell a lie. Some people tell them every day. Every day. Some people just, some people tell so many lies, they don't even realise how many lies they tell. They're just prolific liars. They lie about everything. They lie to insurance companies. They lie to people on the phone. They lie to people around them because it's just easier to lie. They lie about why they're late. They lie about where they're going. They lie about what they're doing. They just lie all the time. Lying for them is just a way of life. They just lie. They lie about people. They lie about all sorts of things. You know, every one of your lies, let's just say it really clearly, every one of your lies is an affront to God. And that's what it is. Because God just said, this is about how you are with me. Okay? You're my people and I'm telling you that, that this matters to me. And ye shall not steal, neither shall you deal falsely, neither uh, lie one to another. Stop telling lies. It's become normal to tell lies. People tell lies all the time. Every time you lie, it's an affront to God. Do you understand? Every, every time you lie, God is going, every time. So what is that? Six a day, one a day, three a week? Every time God goes, it's a sin against God. Okay, but it worked. You got, you got what you wanted, maybe. But it's a sin against God. By the, by the way, most liars don't understand that people know they're liars. Most, most liars don't understand how many people know that they're just prolific liars. Because people don't say, you know what, this is another lie. They just go, oh, uh, right, right, right. Because they just couldn't be bothered. But a lie, firstly, is an affront against God. All right? So, so Christian godly people, you make a decision in your own heart, I need to not tell lies. All right, now, that doesn't mean you have to tell everything about your personal life. That doesn't mean you have to answer every question that everybody asks you about anything. Are you listening? You have a right to not answer. And you have a right to say, I don't, I, I, I don't want to get into that or and a sensitive, normal person would understand there are boundaries. There are boundaries. There are things you shouldn't ask. Okay. But you should make a decision. God is displeased with lying. And when I do that, whatever I did to someone else, I keep doing this to God. Okay. okay. A person who's a prolific liar may not be saved. Lucifer is a liar. Everything about him is a lie. Okay, a prolific liar is someone like Lucifer. All right, every theft, he said, you shall not steal. Every theft is an affront against God. Every theft. Every theft. You know, the devil would have you steal something worth five cents 
because he doesn't care its value. He cares the fact you've just made an affront against God. Do you understand that? Theft, theft is not before God determined by the value. Theft is theft. Stealing is stealing. And every time you're stealing, and by the way, why are you stealing? What, what do you get out of that? What did, what did you, what's the benefit of that? Is it worth the affront to God? Because that's what it is. It's an affront to God. It's an affront to God. We're probably sinning much more than most of us realise. Stop lying. Stop stealing. You know what stealing is? Stealing is when you borrow money or something and don't pay it back. That's stealing. When you said, I'll pay you back and you didn't. And you said, oh, <laughs> I forgot about it. Did you? Did you? He didn't. He didn't. Or you say, but the other person never said anything. They probably didn't. But it doesn't mean they, didn't forget, they don't remember it. See, stealing, not paying back what you borrow is theft. It's stealing. It's an offence to God. And what I'm trying to do is just align us tonight with who he is and what we need to be. And it's probably a good time for a sobering reflection before we partake. He is God and we are not. And when we do those things, we're not obeying him. Don't lie. Uh, don't steal. Don't deal falsely. You know, falsely, falsely is when uh, you kind of spin it a certain way. Uh, well, I didn't technically lie. No, no, that's deceit, brother. That's, that's, that's a false deceit. <laughs> but I didn't lie. You see what I'm saying? God must be just like... You know, what, what have you, are you reprobate? You know, who kids themselves that you can spin it a certain way, present a bit of a false story, but you didn't sin because you didn't technically lie? Who's kidding themselves that way? Are you mad? Uh, what, do you even understand who God is? What are, what are we thinking? What, what has happened to Christian conduct? You know, there are people in Matthew 7, there are people who will think that they may be saved who are not saved. You realise that? I'll read it and I'm done. Matthew 7 verse 21 says this. Jesus said, Not everyone, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, hang on, they know, they, they know his name, right? They, they got the terminology right. They don't think the Buddha is Lord. They, they, they No, Lord, Lord. I suspect they've used this word before. I suspect these are people who know Lord, Lord. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But listen to this part. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Did you get that? Because we often talk about the first part. Oh, no, you know, some people will say, Lord, yeah. He said, not everyone, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Doing the will of God is these things. Now, now Brother Shemish, have you ever lied? Yes. I'm sorry. But before I ever said sorry to you, I've said sorry to God. You know, did you, have you ever transgressed? Yes. And he's made provision for us if we do transgress. He's made a way that we can go and confess our sins uh, uh, to him directly. And we should do that. If you sin, we have an advocate. We have someone we can pray to. He's merciful. He's kind. But the people that most often do these things don't even think it's a sin. And they're, they're the Lord, Lord kind. Verse 23, and then I will profess unto them, I, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. 
depart from me. You're not, you're not, you're not mine. No, 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 I, I, you know, I, I sang and I, no, 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 you, you lied and you stole and you hurt and you cheated and these were works of iniquity. There are people who think they're saved who are not saved. I won't comment too much on this, but I'll just say, about a week ago, the last will and testament of uh, George Pell was released, the, the Catholic Archbishop, uh, who he left money to. And the newspapers printed it and uh, whatever. But I just noticed one little part. One more part in the will was uh, that he had left a certain amount of money to the sisters of, so it was a convent or a group, or there's this like a million of them in the Catholic Church, but he'd left to them, uh, and it said for this, that they could conduct masses and pray for the repose of his soul. So, so, so all I'm going to say, and I'm not God, all I'm going to say is, he believed, you know, that after I'm gone, people need to do these things to get me out of wherever I am and I'm not going to comment too much on that. But I'm just going to say there's a lot of people confused about what salvation is and what it isn't. Listen, it's a sobering day we all have ahead of us. It's a sobering day. It's not, it's not hard to be saved, but, but saved people do not blatantly and willingly sin in all of these things. Saved people don't try to skirt the law of obedience and just go as close to they can. Something in us tells us, you know, that's not right. Something in us, if we do tell a lie, something in us says, you shouldn't have done that. And then, and then we feel the need to repent. So it's not, it's not, it's not a condemnation to the tender here tonight. But it's a reminder, it's a reminder of who God is and who we are and, and how we need to be walking in alignment as best we can with his character, his ways. And, and, and when we move out of that, to just be prayerful. I've found that any time I've asked the Lord to forgive me, and I guess I've done that thousands of times, he's always been willing to forgive because he does love you. He does love you. But even those he loved the most had a holy fear of who he was. He's God. He's God. And we need to remember that. Pastor, thank you.